This is the Stoppage Time Podcast from WEGL 91.1, giving you the latest on all the big talking points from the Premier League and the Champions League. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Stoppage Time, basically the penultimate episode here of Stoppage Time. It's almost like the end of uh, Breaking Bad, in which literally the world is breaking bad right now. I'm your host, David Ordway. I'm joined in the studio by the usuals, Harrison Schooler. How are we doing today, Harrison? Pretty good, David. Pretty good. How about you? Not too bad. Chris Basinger, how are we doing, Chris? Uh, my life is slowly falling apart, but the threads will soon be weaved together on May 1st when I graduate. That's that's good. That's positive. And Andy Hewling, how are we doing, Andy? I'm doing great. I enjoyed my golf round with you at Grand National this weekend. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. We did some night golfing. It was, it was great. We were also joined, it seems like every time something interesting happens, this man joins this uh, show. It's Chris's dad, Scott Basinger. How are you doing, Scott? It seems like every time something Tottenham-related happens, he also joins the school, uh, the show. He was on uh, when we hired Jose Mourinho, and he's on when we fired Jose Mourinho. But that is not the largest news uh, of the weekend. Yesterday, uh, an announcement, some leaks came out about a Super League, which has come up before, uh, being in the works. And then last night, 12 football clubs uh, put out an announcement. And I'm just going to read the Tottenham Hotspur announcement. We can confirm that we have joined 11 others European clubs in agreeing to form a new competition, the European Super League. A joint statement released on behalf of all 12 founding clubs can be viewed below and shall look to provide the details. And we are committed to working with all stakeholders, particularly supporters, as plans for the competition develop. And basically, AC Milan, Arsenal, Atletico Madrid, Chelsea, Barcelona, Inter Milan, Juventus, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, Real Madrid, and Tottenham Hotspur decided to make their own Super League against UEFA, um, basically replacing the Champions League. And uh, there are 12 clubs. They're they're waiting on three more yeses to make it 15, and then there are five spots to make it 20 that uh, teams will play into. Uh, We've done a lot of research on this today, so I'm just going to start with uh, Harrison what is your outlook on this? I'm not as down as everyone is about it, but I mean, it's it's such a difficult topic to really tackle. It truly is. I mean, you had Florentino Perez come out this afternoon and explain everything to the best of his ability. He explained how financial turmoil for everybody has accelerated this process. He explained that more money is going to be made available because these large clubs will be playing each other on a regular basis. But he also explained that the trickle-down effect that people seem to think will go out of the game completely is not going to. He said there will be payments made to clubs that are not a part of the Super League so that it still does fall down the pyramid. And, yeah, that's about the only positive you can take. Uh, I realize that this is this is truly detrimental to narrative, which is such a big piece to English football as a whole. Because keep in mind, the other countries, is not they're not as outraged. They're just not. The English media is, is absolutely just distraught because they've built this heritage they love they're proud people and it's just it is unfortunate they would that they feel that this is just bringing down the english league as a whole but it it's truly not 
money will be redistributed. It is really unfortunate that 12 clubs have automatic qualification already to the biggest competition. I know that is a huge takeaway out of the game, but money drives the sport. They want younger viewers. It is true, guys our age that are not diehard fans like us do not feel the need to turn on Manchester United and Shakhtar Donetsk on a Wednesday afternoon at 2 o'clock. They just don't feel the need. And those games are played twice. And that's just uh, something that could be replaced with Manchester United playing Manchester City or Real Madrid or Barcelona. Scott, so you're you're joining the show again on a seems like a wild evening. Uh, what is your opinion on all of this? Uh, I have a few opinions about it. The I think the most important thing to keep in mind is that. The announcement was not made in a vacuum, and it's it's sort of being treated that way, right? You think about who's the most angry about it. It seems to be Sky Sports, right? And Sky, Sky Sports has the most financially to lose from any disruptions because they're the ones who are making the most money right now off of the, the television deals. So, you know, it's, it's funny that, like, Gary Neville is acting so holier than thou about this but you know that if sky sports won the bidding for the super league he would turn on a dock right and and the next day he would be so in favor of it and finding reasons why this is the greatest thing and not the most terrible thing so um so some of the reaction that you're seeing is particular aspects of the media that that stand the most to lose but the other part of it is you know the the announcement that was supposed to be made today that the Super League people got ahead of was that they're diluting the Champions League. That they've been talking about this stupid Swiss plan for a while where you expand the Champions League, you don't have a group stage, you have random pairings where you'll play one team and then play another team and then play another team and you'll ultimately play 10 games, but you're not within a group. And then it's just whoever has the most points at the end of the process goes into knockout rounds so the reason for pushing the super league was really caused by uefa saying we need a diluted champions league that takes more teams out of the europa league and brings them into the champions league so that these teams are playing more games before we even get to the knockout stages and i think for some of the coaches and managers they're they're looking at the product that they put on the field and the amount of money that they're paying to these players and saying like, how much more can we squeeze out of these players? You you really think that we have an additional eight games or so worth of productivity that we can put these players through. Um, And so, you know, I, I really, I don't think that we should, we should just isolate this one uh, announcement and ignore the rest of what's going on. Do you think that, I mean, I, you watched the Liverpool game today. Klopp and uh, James Milner came out against the Super League. Do you think? What do you think is the thinking of all the other players in the league? Say that again. I'm having trouble here. Do you think that um, you watched the Liverpool game today? Klopp and uh, Milner both came out. James Milner came out against the Super League. What do you think that is a feeling about all the players in the league? Uh, the big, just the players in the big six. How do you feel about that? 
I, I suspect that people don't like change until they're used to it. I mean, I was one of the people who thought that the BCS was going to ruin college football and that having a national championship was irrelevant because we had always had the Rose Bowl in the Rose Bowl for as long as I knew it and the Big Ten champion against the Pac-10 champion, and that was the way it ought to stay. Um, of course, that was false, right? That was, that was a myth. Um, and so I think anyone who, once you get your expectations set around something, it's easy to sort of view that as being the best thing or the only thing. And anything that destabilizes that, just it, it sort of changes everything and it causes anxiety because you don't know how to react. And so everyone has their expectations built up around you need to make it into the top four and then you go to the Champions League and then you play the group stages and um, and then you, you take away that firm foundation and it just creates uncertainty. But I don't know that it's worse for the players. I don't know that it's worse for the manager. I don't know that it's worse for the team. And frankly, I don't know that it's worse for the fans. Um, I'd, I'd much rather not see teams playing Shakhtar Donetsk on a Wednesday night. That's, that's, a, that's a really good point that I know Harrison brought up as well and uh, one of his major points to not being for it totally but definitely understanding the outlook. Uh, Andy, these six teams, and I'm strictly saying the Premier League here, uh, that's what we talk about most, but uh, Arsenal, Tottenham, Manchester City, Manchester United, uh, Liverpool, and Chelsea are guaranteed to be in this competition, um, and they're making, and though that we will have to see if there's a trickle-down effect, they're going to be making millions of dollars uh, off this. Is it fair to teams such as Leicester City, who you know won the Premier League back in 2015-16, West Ham United, Everton, um, these teams that have reached the top four, before, um, and though they will have the opportunity, according uh, to the outlook, to play into this competition, is it fair that these six teams are in the competition every year? You know, I think it's really hard to talk about it because I see it both ways. I see it where, you know, we've grown up with these teams being, you know, your tra- I guess at least in recent times, the traditional six. And, yes, they've built up a lot of tradition, a lot of history in recent and in past time. And, honestly, I feel like for Tottenham's case, for Chelsea's case, even though they're more than likely going to make top four, for, uh, you know, I just feel like it's almost like a get-out-of-jail card for them. I I really do feel like that. But I guess if we're going to put somebody to represent England in a Super League, then I think it is deserving because these are the teams with the most money. These are the teams with the credentials, the qualifications, because they've won big prizes, whether that's domestically or internationally. And I think that they do deserve to be in there. But for other teams, it's going to be unfair because, like you said, Leicester City, for teams like West Ham, it's almost like they're holding something over their head like, oh, you can't get to where we are. You know, we're just going to create a new league and go off and you get to stay in the Champions League, but we're in a bigger league than you. But I don't think that's going to happen. They're not going to shut out every other No, they're not going to shut them out. I'm not saying that. I just It feels like, to me, that they're just holding something over their head like, oh, you're not there yet. They're saying we're too good. We don't have to earn it. We make the money that drives this game. I get that, but like you have to. I mean, what sport if you can't earn it? 
if you can't win. There, like, there's no punishment in American sport whatsoever. Football is a risky business. It's not, it's not a smart investment. I, a lot of higher-ups will tell you it's not a smart investment. There is such a financial risk, especially in places like Crystal Palace, clubs in the championship, where the turnover, it's not massive at all. And some of these clubs, they run at losses, and they're, just, they're, they're so close to going under. These, this competition is going to just, it's going to make more money for the trickle down effect, hopefully. That is what you would hope for this to do. Because at the moment, we really don't know the financial standings of a lot of these clubs because they don't want to release it. They don't want everyone to know that they're this close to going under. They can't know, they don't want people to know they're going to bust. They just, they can't allow that to happen. They can't come out and support it because a lot of them weren't clear on the whole situation. A lot, ha- a lot of light has been shed in like three hours. Florentino Perez spoke, and he stepped in front of a camera, and he was there for like 90 minutes. So a lot of the reaction that we've gotten has to be reconsidered now that he's come out and give the explanation. Someone had to. It wasn't going to be a Glazer. It wasn't going to be Henry from Liverpool, and it had to be Perez. He was the man for the occasion, and he stepped up, and he explained everything. And there's an understanding that, other teams can qualify. I don't believe they'll shut out the Premier League like that. Teams like Leicester City and West Ham could still find their way. I don't know how they would manage that. I don't know what they would do. I just think there's still value in the other teams in the Premier League. You wouldn't want to diminish their value by by saying that, oh, well, these six teams from England are automatically in it. The, other, the rest of y'all, you have no way in it. Or you have to qualify by winning the competition below, which they've talked about a Super League 2 or whatever, you know, the essential, the equivalent to the Europa League, whatever. Right. I, mean, I, I, I I do think, okay, so I think part of the problem with it, right, is that all of the information, like Harrison said, wasn't released at once. So we didn't know exactly what was going on. There were a lot of overreactions on social media. There were a lot of, under the circumstances, very warranted reactions, right? Over the past few years, fans have get, been up in arms with teams like PSG, teams like Man City coming in, using their money and buying trophies. Fans have a right to be up in arms about finances in the field of sport. Once Perez came out and discussed how the money would be distributed, I feel like that eased a lot of tensions, but I still have a problem with there being those 12 to 15 teams that are automatically going to be a part of it, right? Part of the appeal of the FA Cup is that everyone in England from the Premier League down to the 10th division is part of it. And they feel like even though there's there's very little chance that one of those smaller teams is going to go very deep in the tournament, we saw teams like Marine go through and they played Tottenham. We've seen Colchester United, not to focus on Tottenham, but Colchester United beat Tottenham. This right? is that narrative perspective I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. We're talking about a dying competition to begin with. This competition has lost its edge. It's lost its edge for probably about 18 years now. It just isn't, it doesn't hold the same weight. I get it. It's a, love, it's a love story. It's an English football love story. But this doesn't happen. Let's go down the list. Does it, can anyone, I'll pull it up. I'll, I'll literally pull it up right now. The last 20 FA Cup winners, if any of them stand out. Arsenal have collected so many. Birmingham City, 2011. Wigan Athletic, 2014. There you go. So two. Two out of 20. It just doesn't happen. It's a glorified romantic story that just doesn't happen, and I know it's about the hope. 
It's the hope that it can happen. That, that's, and it the, does, that's the point because soccer beauty. soccer it is it is an emotional sport. Tottenham Hotspur right. have not been in a final. I, I, I mean, I know the champ. We have not won a trophy since two thousand eight. I did not support Tottenham in two thousand eight. I'm, I'm being honest. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know enough about soccer. And the part that brought me in to be a Tottenham Hotspur supporter, not a Manchester United, not a Manchester City, not a Liverpool supporter, is because Tottenham Hotspur didn't win anything. It's because the pull of a team. I'm not, a, and I'm not saying this about. I didn't grow up with a parent that was a Liverpool fan. I didn't grow up with. I chose my team because of one thing: Gareth Bale. That's the reason I chose my team. Just like some Playpool, there's. A, I bet there's young Aston Villa fans right now that chose Aston Villa because of Jack Grealish. I really do believe that. I think this competition is is just an. Uh, there is positives in it, and I do understand that UEFA is not a good organization. Nobody's going to say they are. Um, and they have caused their own issues. But in saying that, Tottenham Hotspur did not deserve to be in this competition. I'm, I'm sorry they don't. Like Three years ago, we didn't have a 60,000-people stadium, arguably the best stadium in the world. We didn't have that. Tottenham Hotspur haven't, yes, we made a Champions League final by playing Pochettino, and you know what? The best game of that whole tournament was playing Ajax. Ajax isn't in this competition. I mean, I mean, really. Like, the part about football that's so great, and I know we can Americanize it like the NFL, and I know that nobody has any consequences in the NFL because they have drafts, or in, in the NBA they have drafts. They have things that like, you can rebuild your team afterwards. The reason that soccer's so great is because literally anything can happen. Colchester United beat Tottenham Hotspur and knocked us out of the the cup two or three years ago, and that was probably the best night in their history. The way you're talking about it is the way they view their money. Anything can happen to it. Why, in any businessman's right mind, would he put himself in that situation? I, and I think because you either have a club that you guarantee is going to bring you revenue enough and there's enough draw that you can profit from it, or you just run that, you just walk that thin line like owners of Crystal Palace. Well, the debate that we're having here is between what's good for business and what's good for football, right? What's good, what's good for fans? What takes precedence? According to football owners... It is money. It is money. But to the fans, right? it's not. And that's what the problem is, right? Twelve people sign their names to a piece of paper and, and I, millions. I think we also don't understand because we're Americans. Mm-hmm. I'm honest. I think we don't understand because we're Americans. These There are people that go to that stadium that had season tickets for 70 years. Their family has gone to these games for years, Premier League games, Champions League games for years. We don't understand that. Sure, we can go to a Houston Astros game, you know, Washington football team game. I've been to a few. And sure, I can get season tickets for that, but there is a difference between the history of my club in which I've won three Super Bowls. Washington football team has won three Super Bowls. That doesn't come up. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like, I mean, honestly, we've, we've been so bad for years. And literally, all you talk about is next year. Or you talk about last year. But you don't go back and say, oh, my gosh, Joe Gibbs in the 90s? What a great, what a great coach. I mean, literally, like the Astros, for example. I don't mean to bring this up, Chris, but, you know, with the World Series in 2017, right? Mm. You guys you had the whole scandal afterwards, but little, that's going to die someday. 
You know, someone might joke about it, but that's going to die someday. It's going to go away. But then you sit there and you talk about the when you got when Manchester City won the title in Aguero, that lives in people. Okay, this again, we're 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 back. This is why it's a revolving door. It comes back to emotion. Emotion never wins. Money wins. It's so really it is truly unfortunate. But think about it. In 2018, 717 million people watched Manchester United play Liverpool at Old Trafford. There were 74,000 people in that in that stadium. Do you think the owners care about 717 million or 75,000? And I'm not arguing that. I'm saying it's just wrong. Harrison, but I, it, we we can discuss right and wrong. These people do not care. They're in suits. They don't step in front of cameras. They look, don't have to step in front of cameras. They make the decision that will drive that dollar sign. Look, the business. I'm not arguing about the business model. I get the. It's business brilliant. Model. The business the model business they have model, for this is brilliant. The business model is fine. I'm just talking about the morals of it. The morals of it are not right. It's. It's a money grab. They want more money. They're going to take away the beauty of the sport from the rest of the fans and the bottom clubs who can't get to where they are. That's what I'm saying. It's the morals of it that are wrong. Scott, do you think what, – what do you feel as a, a Liverpool fan? And I know you've been a Liverpool fan for years and years. How do you feel about this? Uh, mixed emotions. <laughs> um, I mean, I, one thing that – that I always keep in mind is, you know, uh, John Henry has no intention of holding on to this team forever. I mean, the, the idea has always been buy the asset, improve it, and eventually sell it on, you know. And so, so there is something a bit mercenary about that approach, right, that, that you're just trying to improve it and make money off of it. Uh, because ultimately, like this is a money losing operation, except for for a handful of teams. Um, you know, I, all it takes is a global pandemic to come around to realize that. You know, the but but the, the global pandemic at the same time has has made people realize that the the fans in the stadium are worth only a fraction of you know, and and not a large fraction of the revenues that are being brought in. I think it's, it's sort of clarified the situation that there, there are five, six billion people around the world, um, and there's a lot of dollars to be made off of those people. And I think we're having similar reactions that we have whenever a player that you love on your team, you know, a Fernando Torres leaves to go to Chelsea, you know, and, and it hurts and it's emotional and you feel betrayed, you feel abandoned. Um, and we're having the same sort of reaction to that, but like that helps clarify again that, you know, for these players, very rarely is it about their relationship with the team. Like they are also there to make money. And so like, I think it's hilarious that we would talk about what's moral and not moral when the players only have one interest and that's largely to make money. And the owners have one interest, which is largely to make money. And it's only the fans who claim that they don't care about the money and only care about the sport. Um, so, so, I mean, it, I, I find that heavily ironic. Yeah, I guess you do raise an interesting point, right? Because they're, they're the stakeholders, right? They're the, the owners, um, the manager and the players, and they probably want to play in the biggest competition. And this is going to be the biggest, the biggest competition. I don't have to worry about Harry Kane leaving. No, you sh- you, I, well, you, you shouldn't have been worrying before. I don't, but, but I'm. But at this point now, I mean, if that answered my prayers, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, if, if, if I had to worry about somebody leaving my club, I don't have to worry about that anymore because I don't think that we will see, and maybe we will, but the big players leave these clubs because they're playing in the competition. I, I mean, they're going to be getting paid more money than they are now. I did see something today that I did like in which, uh, I, I might get this a little wrong, but 55% of revenue, only 55% can be paid to salaries. Salary I, cap. They're doing a salary cap which because this is, is an good. American-driven idea. Which is a good thing because then we do deal with – But and, you know, not to bring this up, UEFA has failed, Manchester City, for example. Whether or not they were guilty or not, they did not hold the band up. They didn't hold it up against Chelsea. You know, I brought up earlier today uh, the Premier League didn't get new, let Newcastle be bought. There's corruption everywhere. Um, and we might be just cycling into the new chapter of this. Um, and it's really difficult. Uh, Harrison, as a Manchester United fan, um, what do you think is the future, like, over the next year going to look like? I know we don't have enough info, but what do you think is going to happen with, you know, UEFA trying to ban people uh, from international competition with the Euros this summer? Like, is that going to be affected? I can promise no one's getting banned. Every player will participate in every competition. Every club will finish out their competition that they've made it to. They would not have done this. They would not have gone this far without doing their due diligence. And I know, based on the reaction from UEFA, there is no chance they can do anything. 40 to $60 billion lawsuits. That's what you're going to threaten immediately. It shows that you, you are really back against the wall, and you do, not, you do not know what to do. And the Euros this summer, do you think that they will be any bit affected by this? No, I don't think that UEFA or FIFA can truly take any legal action. And actually, if you look at FIFA's statement, it's kind of uh, shy. It's not as aggressive. Did they as not come UEFA? out and say they were willing to work? Yeah, and they gave a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a vibe that they're not as off as UEFA is with it. Because in the end, this means that Seferin is going to have to bend the knee to Florentino Perez. And that is just, and it is really upsetting. And I can see where Seferin comes from because we're looking at a guy who's in charge of a club that has 13 Champions League titles. You have benefited the most from this. You're spitting in his face, essentially in his eyes, by doing that. And... You can understand why he was really upset about that, but I truly think that emotions were high and they don't actually have any course of action they can take legally. Chris, you wrote a paper on the on the the Carabao Cup. I did. You did. Yes. I got a good grade on it too. I, I know, I know you did. Um it was, I think it was your only hundred in that class. It, paper, it was right? the only hundred I think that he ever yeah. gave anyone. So I bring up uh, a point just yeah. for you and Andy. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup have lost meeting a little bit uh, for some clubs. For some clubs, not. Um, but this upcoming weekend on Sunday, Tottenham play Manchester City in the Cup final. Uh, this would be Manchester City's fourth in a row. Fourth in a row. Tottenham, this would be their first trophy since 2008. Do you think that with this new system, say they were to go through with it, the Cup final, I know you talked about having a Europa League spot. I know that right now it would go to the Conference League. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that this could be a way to refurbish the cup system? So you mean, like the winner of this competition, the, the winner of the Carabao Cup could go to maybe the Europa League, and then the winner of the FA Cup could go to if the Champions League is still a thing. I mean, I, I bring this up, but mm-hmm. do you kick the six teams out of the cups and allow the other teams to go for it, with the idea that if they win, they can make it to the next? See now, now this is this is interesting. I don't think that you do that with the FA Cup. 
right? Because the FA Cup has too much of a storied history. And I know that we get into, you know, romance and all of that with these kinds of competitions. But the FA Cup is the oldest uh, domestic comp- competition in the world. I don't think you do it with that. Um, as as fans, right, and probably as the manager and maybe as the players, I know for a fact Jurgen Klopp would love to have his team out of the Carabao Cup because he seems to get them out of the Carabao Cup as early as possible uh, and with as little first-team players as possible. Um, yeah, I, I, would, I would love to see the complete abandonment of the Carabao Cup. Is that going to happen? Absolutely not. Is it going to transition to only being smaller teams? Absolutely not. The Carabao Cup only gets its money for having teams like Tottenham and having teams like Manchester City in the final. That's why anyone's even caring about it, even though uh, I believe you told me earlier that there are still many tickets available. There are. Manchester, um, I think the Manchester City spot definitely has some. I'm not sure if the Tottenham does. Not, not That's not a hate on Manchester City. I'm just saying that. Right. It's okay. Well, they, they benefit from having empty seats. You see how pl- good they play this season. Um, but, yeah, I just don't see it realistically happening. Should we go on to the next news? Or you want to say one more thing, Harrison? No, I, I do not. All right. So some positive news, I guess you could say that. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur. The club today announced that Jose Mourinho and his coaching staff have been relieved of their duties. I woke up to this this morning, and it wasn't the first thing on my mind when I checked that. I didn't expect to see it. Andy, what happened? Well, I mean, there's not much to say, but that Jose Mourinho... I can take hurt. over. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Harrison. See, it was perfect because I believe The Athletic put out an article and they basically said he sucked the culture out of the club. And that's exactly how they described it. At United, everybody was miserable. It was just the worst mood all the time. He would openly complain about things and just make people uneasy. By it. And Pogba, what are we, five days ago? I mean, if you're a cynic and if you're actually, if you're me, you think Pogba might have gotten him fired because he just threw him under the bus in front of Sky Sports. And that was hilarious. And we love Oh, no, there will be an article at some point from somebody. I, I already know that. Yeah, I mean, it's great. <laughs> it, it, it's great. You just saw what he was. And you saw it in probably the most, in the shortest amount of time you've ever seen. What are we, 17 months? Yeah, yeah 17 yeah. months. Shortest amount of time you've seen the up and the down with Jose. Y'all were flying high at the early start of the season. Thing, when things started to teeter off, players got thrown under the bus. And as far as I know, what I read, only Harry Kane remained loyal to yeah. him in that whole dressing room. Yeah, it seemed like he broke a lot of uh, friendships. Scott, every time you come on this show, it seems like something with Jose Mourinho and some club, especially my club, uh, what was your take on his time at Tottenham? I, I thought it was going to be a disaster from the beginning. Um, I, I would love to go back and hear what I said at the time because I really don't remember. Um, but, I mean, we, we, it was a disaster. Um, I, was just, I was looking at the salary charts the other day, and, I mean, Tottenham spends £130 million almost on, on salary. They're sixth highest... Um, I mean, and, and that's just so much wasted money at this point. Um, but I mean, this is, he's, you could tell from very early on that we were on the same trajectory that you follow with, with Jose Mourinho, that he starts, you know, it's the same coach 
different players um, line that it's you know constantly throwing his players under the uh, what's the large vehicle uh, throwing them under the bus. The bus. Yeah. I wonder whether he left on a, a bus today or did he take a car? I, I, I did um, see a I did see a report that Danny Rose stuck his head out the window because he was so happy. And there's a picture of him being so happy when Jose Mourinho got fired. I just, yeah, I mean, I, it, it, what was amazing to me from the beginning was, um, I think he had a buyout clause that was, you know, massive. So not only did, did Levy have to pay the buyout clause for Pochettino, but then he goes and brings in another coach that's never going to last more than two years anyways, and put another big buyout clause into it. Um, and so, I mean, he's just throwing money at coaches that, you know that apparently you know Pochettino wasn't any good because at his next job he didn't really accomplish anything either did he no <laughs> no not that and not that I didn't want him to get fired I mean I want him to be fired anyway you know I, I really wanted to, to keep him for a long time um, so I mean what's the next step for Tottenham oh, oh I know I know either Julian Nagelsmann or you go really under the table and try and sneak Flick out before he signs with the German national team. Oh, no, 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 no. Here's, here's what happens, right? Here's what happens. Of course, we all know after Hansi Flick goes to uh, Germany, right, to the German national team. Which was also news this weekend, even though that doesn't feel like it was this weekend. Because yeah. this weekend has been it's so been a long. crazy That's, weekend. Yeah. That, that happened too. But, of course, if, if we're going on this trajectory, right, Hansi Flick goes to Germany. Jurgen Klopp goes to Bayern. Uh, Graham Potter goes to Liverpool, yeah. right? That's what, Andy, you were saying that. Um, everyone here was. Uh, that means, right, that means that Eddie Howe, of course, can't go to Tottenham. Oh, that's such Eddie Howe can't go to Tottenham. Uh, but then who takes over Brighton? Andy, who takes over Brighton? Hmm. Who does? Jesse Marsh. Jesse Marsh. Yes, Marsh. There we go. If there was a manager to carry out what Graham Potter's got going on over there, it is Jesse Marsh. And, you know, we've even got the prospect of Patrick Vieira joining the Premier League I, recently. I, I saw that. Would be you know what? Terry Henry is also back in England right yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> Roy Hodgson is not getting that extension. They That'd have Gary Neville. Would y'all, do y'all believe kidding. Crystal Palace have 12 players with expiring contracts this summer. I'm pretty sure Roy Hodgson is oh, one his, of those Oh, his players. is expiring too. Roy. Yeah. So they can they can do a whole overhaul at that club if they want to this Chris, summer. how about you take Roy back? Oh, gosh. And he's still on the payroll? That's, ooh. No, that's David Moore. That's tempting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, no, I know I... still free? Oh, boy. He is a club legend for us. But uh, I, I have to say I uh, was a little sad. Um, I did really want to work out with Mourinho. Obviously, it was never going to. Yeah, I mean, you have a Jose Mourinho mug. My, my special one mug? I'm yeah, still going to yeah. keep that it's, because it, he's still like he's it's, still it's the so special good one. you can he's drink so out of it with your mouth. No, but I, I, do hope, uh, I do hope we can somehow get Nagelsmann. Uh, he is our top target. I have saw that multiple times from the Guardian, the Athletic. Uh, I do think Eddie Howe is definitely a shot. I did see Jesse Marsh today. Uh, I saw Gareth Southgate. On I that saw list. Gareth Southgate. I saw Roberto uh, Martinez. Hey, remember I told you about Gareth on Harry Kane. It's uh, I, well, more. and that was one of the the parts they quoted in the quote. It said, "Oh, has a great relationship with Harry Kane." I told Southgate David that Southgate would be good for Tottenham. I I I don't trust that man. You shouldn't either. I, I don't trust. I mean, I 
what so, are you talking about? Southgate's at literally every Premier League I, game I also that we saw, watch. I also saw he has to Steven know Gerrard today. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that's going to happen. Oh, that physically hurt to hear that. Yeah, I... Uh, Why would he leave to go to Tottenham when he can win trophies at Rangers? That's, that's true. Well, 55. In some actual footballing news... Um, not that this is biased, me bringing this up or anything at all, but Mason Greenwood has 15 goals in the Premier League, and that has equaled Wayne Rooney for the same total at 19 years old, and he still has six more months of being 19. I think it's fair to say he could crack 20. He, he is an incredible talent. Uh, yeah, he'll he'll eventually turn 20. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'll break 20 goals. Yeah, probably he, in about he six He is an months. incredible talent. Um, not ending the show just yet. This is the last show uh, in this studio for some of us tonight. Uh, Andy and Chris are graduating. Um, it's been a hell of a two years. I can't say that on the air. We'll cut that out. Um, but I'll let it slide. Yeah, We're on Spotify. Oh. Oh, look at that. It's been a, it's been a great two years. Um and I just want to say thank you guys very much, both of you, for your time in here. We will continue the show outside of this studio, but I do just want to say that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's crazy that tonight was the night that everything seemed to come to uh, the end. Uh, what a weekend we had. We didn't even talk about the Liverpool game today. We didn't even Liverpool talk- played. They did the same things that they always do. I have it written down right <laughs> here if we want to go over it um, for a quick 30 seconds. Numerous wasted chances, counterattacks that sputter out, can't score – on corners and set pieces, can't put away the game, ineffective substitutions. Thank you very much. Sounds like Tottenham, too. Um, but, Andy, thank you. Thank you, David. It's always a pleasure. And I, I hope you uh, your insight on Manchester City and everything has been awesome. Thank you. And, uh, Chris, same to you. You're thanking me for my insight on Manchester City. Yeah, you know, and, Harrison, with the great analysis, you are by far the most best analysis person I think I know. Hands down. When it comes to soccer, um, incredible. And I look forward to doing this in the fall with you. Um, I have to learn all the board. I have no idea you know, how to do the board. David, I'll, I'll <laughs> teach you. I do want to say something real quick. Um, when, when Riley and I started this show, Riley is no longer with us on the show. He's still alive. I'm going to get sushi with him tomorrow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, when Riley and I started the show, this was out of a passion for watching the game of football. And I think um, that passion has a special way of uniting people, right? And it allows a City fan, a Tottenham fan, a United fan, and a Liverpool fan to sit together in a room once a week, come together and talk about the thing that they love. Um, And I I, I really cherish that, right? When we started out the show, it was about fun. Um, Now it's still about fun, but also a bit serious at the same time. And it's good to know that I can be surrounded by people that I can share this passion for and speak candidly with every week and enjoy every weekend with. So I've had a great time doing this show, and I look forward to seeing where it goes in the future. Scott, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, it's always a pleasure having you on. Uh, that's a, fan i'm pretty sure <laughs> i listen to every episode while i'm driving to work on tuesday mornings and there have been a couple times when it hasn't been posted and i've been like chris did you do a show last night so um i i must admit i've even life 360 chris 
to see whether he was um, at, at Creekside or at the uh, the Weagle Studios so that I would know whether I was listening to the show the next morning. I, and I think you guys have really come a long way uh, from, from the early days. Um, it's, it's changed a lot. The personnel have changed a bit from time to time, but it's been really fun listening to, uh, to this show evolve and become really much more serious, um, not, not in a bad way, but uh, more analytical and, and more interesting to listen to and hear all of your perspectives. So it has been fun, and I have enjoyed it a great deal, and I hope you guys continue. Thank you so much, and we really appreciate having you on the night. Uh, before, before we close out, I do want to go over um, our, our predictions results. <laughs> so I just I need I feel like I need to point this out real quick. Uh, there, there are still technically there are still four more teams that we need to predict. I, we don't have time to do that this week. Um, but the results are in from last week. Uh, David's result because he picked Chelsea is in in because they play Brighton tomorrow. But it really doesn't matter. He still finishes fourth. Uh, with a potential maximum of 23 points if Chelsea were to win. Uh, in third place is Harrison with 24 points. He got four from Newcastle and Arsenal. Uh, in second place is Andy. Got uh, four points also from Newcastle and Arsenal. Uh, and I finished in first place with 31 points, getting six from Wolves and Man United. So it's been good. Uh, just want to point out, I also won the first half. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, we'll put, that, we'll put that in your trophy cabinet. Thank you. <laughs> Chris, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> I'm not cheating, though. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode and this semester's episode of Stoppage Time. I'd like to thank you all for listening, and we will be back in the fall. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stoppage Time. You can follow us on Instagram at stoppagetime91.1 for news, updates, and more. Be sure to tune in next week for another great episode on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts.